So excited to talk with three different sets of franchise owners from three different brands under the Propelled Brands umbrella. Uh, I'm Michelle Rowan, President and COO of Franchise Business Review. And I want to start with um, Naveed because Naveed is with Fast Signs. And I Fast Signs has been working with us the longest. That's why I'm going to start with you, Naveed. So Fast Signs started working with us in January of 2006, which was right. We started our business in September of, of uh, 2005. So right off the bat, Fast Signs bought into the importance of getting feedback from their existing franchise owners to help them understand how they were doing and to use that information to figure out how they could better support and help their franchise owners grow. So since then, they're a Hall of Fame winner with us, which means that they've won a Franchise Satisfaction Award for over 10 years. So, and they've been on our awards lists since we started the awards in 2006. That was the first year we did it. They've been top franchises for women, top franchises for veterans, top franchises based on innovation, um, it goes on and on. Top franchises for second careers. So they are obviously very tuned in to what their franchisees have to say, and they're using it well. So Naveed, and I'm going to talk about each brand in that way, just how long we've worked with them. I would love to understand what were you doing before you became a franchisee of Fast Signs? And how did you, how, how was that research process? How did you come to Fast Signs in that search uh, to make a change? Yeah, so I had a cousin of mine who had originally started a new location, um, and he was struggling with the marketing and the sales portion of it. Um, and I was at at the time I was at ESPN. I was a sports reporter, so I was covering the NBA and NFL and the UFC for another company, and uh, that was fun for several years. But it started to get old, and the travel was insane, and I was gone twenty days a month, and I uh, was looking for something else to do. Uh, he asked me to jump on temporarily for a couple months to help him get it turned back around. I did that. And within that first probably 30 days, I cut the bug for the business side of things and uh, reneged on an offer that I accepted with the medical device company and decided to, to roll the dice on fast side. So um, I had not signed the franchise agreement or anything yet at that time. So I was still exploring what else was out there in terms of doing the franchise model or probably possibly trying to do my own thing outside of that and uh, was quickly sold on, on fast signs and their process and um, the structure that they have set up within the corporate office. Awesome. And um, Naveed, how long have you been a, a fast signs franchise owner? Yeah, seven years, I believe. Okay. Because I think it's also interesting. We'll just kind of understand the different time frame of when you're looking at the franchise model or looking at a change in your life, I think will be different for everybody on the call. So I think that's good too. So seven years. Excellent. So next, I'm going to go to the next longest brand that's worked with us, which is My Salon Suite. And we have uh, John and Melanie joining us. So My Salon Suite started working with us in 2015, has been also been an award winner for lots of years, including top franchises as an emerging brand when they were freshly uh, working with us, top franchise for multi-unit owners. And we have some multi-unit owners here today to talk with us, top franchises based on innovation and top um, opportunity as a second career uh, and top franchises for women. Those are all just some of the awards that they've won. So um, John and Melanie, I want to get a sense of what were you guys doing and beyond how did you come across My Salon Suite or what was that change? Also, was there a conversation about doing this together or were, did one of you initiate this and drag the other one along? 
Uh, well, yeah, I'll go first. We First of all, we're thankful to be on this webinar. Uh, excited to learn more from our colleagues in Propel Brands. Um, we were living in Tampa, Florida. We did a two-year stint. Um, I, I worked at IBM when we lived in Washington, D.C. We met there, got married, started to build our families. So we, we took a new job at a healthcare software company in Florida. And I think we're in the middle of a process to uh, discover ways to create financial freedom for our lives, for our family. Uh, at the time we had two young children. Now we have four, two boys and two girls. Uh, our oldest is six. So that gives you an indication of how full our life is. It's been busy. It's been busy. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And so, you know, we were just, we were just exploring. We read like rich dad, poor dad five, six years ago. And we, um, we were thinking about real estate it so happens that some close friends of ours in Tampa were already uh, successfully doing my salon suite. And uh, we're actually now business partners with them, but that's how we learned about the concept. Uh, we went to their stores and asked them questions. And uh, it was, you know, roughly a, like a six to nine month discovery process for us. I think we had the benefit, we had the benefit of like seeing it firsthand versus more of a, like an academic uh, learning process. Um, how do we make the decision to do it? Yeah, I think that <laughs> we decided that we didn't really enjoy Tampa so much. Um, no offense to Tampa. Yeah, no. It's a beautiful place, <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't a great fit for us at the time. Yeah. And I was a nurse, my background, um, I was a nurse in DC and then staying at home with our kids when we lived in Tampa. And so we were itching to either make a transition, um, either back to the DC area where we were renting out our house or, you know, up for something else. So we started to learn more about the brand and found out that there was an opening in the Charlotte market, um, which we just decided to go for. Yeah. Yeah. We had to, we had to take a leap, right? Melanie grew up in Charlotte. So that was part of the draw to be near uh, my in-laws, her her folks, mm -hmm. and we loved that the My Salon Suite brand in particular is like the intersection of real estate, the beauty professional world, and like hospitality. And there's so much there's so much positive energy and creativity in the industry that that was a, a big factor in us deciding to take the step forward. Yeah, and I want you just to explain the time frame that you took the leap. Yeah. When did we do it? Uh, March, 2019. So we've been in for two and a half years going on three ish, six months before the pandemic, the pandemic. Well, I guess it was a year before the pandemic, but right. we, we had just started our construction on our first location in February, 2020. <sighs> and then the pandemic hit. So yeah. thankfully we were allowed to continue construction and we opened in May, but yeah, that wasn't a part of our, um, our business plan, but we were able to grind through it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's good perspective for people because I think it's always scary to take that leap, but to understand too, that's, that's a pretty rough start to open your doors in May of 2020. That's, <laughs> we're glad you're still here. We because, are too. Uh, yeah. yeah. It worked out well for you. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So Chuck, now I'm going to go to you The the newest propelled brands, the newest client for FBR uh, out of the three of you, nerds to go started working with us in 2020 when, when they were um, looking at being a, an acquisition target for propelled brands. Um, they immediately made the awards list the first time they surveyed, which is awesome. They're a young, fresh brand. And Chuck, you and I met when you, I think you were pr the president of Bright Star 
So you were on the franchisor side when we met all those years ago. We don't need to tell anybody how long nope, ago it not was. at all. <laughs> but then you pop up and I'm like, oh, it's it's that Chuck Bailey. So now tell tell me why you're a nerds to go franchisee and you are the first franchisee to go through with Propelled Brands as the parent company. So that that onboarding and that training model. So what made you pull trigger on that? Yeah, absolutely, Michelle. Um, thank you and, and good to uh, see you. You know, I, I'm... I spent 20 years in the corporate world, getting bloody noses, running companies, running businesses. And I got on one too many planes to China one day back in 2006 and, uh, and got off and, uh, and bought a Bright Star Care franchise and became the ninth franchisee in that system. And I guess that's when I started to become an entrepreneur, if, 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 that, if that's what I was at that point. But um, I saw what it was like to be part of an emerging, you know, brand as a brand new franchisee just starting off, and I had the opportunity to meet uh, Shelly's son and and kind of learn a lot from her over the years. But I did end up going over to the corporate side of Brightstar um, just because I guess I had that corporate DNA there a little bit and and wanted to go, you know, help build something. Which that system has grown to hundreds of units now and has been very, very successful in a home care space with, with Propelled Brands. Um, and I'll fill in the gaps in the middle here in a minute. Um, with Propelled Brands, I heard that Fast Signs or Propelled uh, basically had purchased Nerds to Go. And I picked up the phone uh, and reached out to Catherine Monson and her team and said, can I, can I join you? Um, I, the reputation of fast signs, not even not being in that industry, but being around franchising was, was absolutely fantastic. I'm an ops guy. I love operations. I like financials. I like clean slates and, um, everything about fast signs I loved. And then I'm kind of a nerd. I've always been a nerd. I mean, I, I went to Carnegie Mellon university in Pittsburgh and, you know, all my roommates were tech guys and I ended up being the low man on the totem, totem pole as the business guy. And well, now after, you know, 35 years, I can get my nerd on here a little bit. And, uh, but I, I just felt there was a huge space in the market, Michelle, for a franchise business to step in much like it had done for, you know, plumbing and HVAC and other industries and bring some type of structure to a chaotic business or a chaotic sector. And, and with Propel Brands leading it, I, I, you know, I said, sign me up. It was really that easy. It was a one hour decision uh, for me. Um, and we got started, uh, signed a franchise agreement in May. We opened late October and had our grand opening just a few weeks ago. Okay, perfect. So I know that there was a little um, talk about the time frame. So that's a pretty short time frame for you. Um, Naveed, how about you? What was the, you were in the business, but what was that discovery process like for you? And what, what do you feel like you did that helped you kind of, I know you were in the business, but what other things were you doing uh, in that research process to kind of validate your, your gut feeling that this was the next move for you? Yeah, well, I was able to cheat a little since it, my relative had already kind of started that process. But before signing that franchise agreement, I had reached out to a few other franchisee owners outside of our immediate area that were in the same industry and did not get a lot of reassurance in terms of corporate support or name recognition, uh, number of locations, and uh, that had me kind of shy away from those and continue to move forward. 
With the so you're saying, Navita, I just want to clarify. So you were you were contacting people of other franchise systems in a similar space to Correct. kind of see if they should be added to your list. That's what you're saying? Okay. And then are, did you also connect with other people within the, the network or were you um, with Fast Signs or were you just really focused on the feedback from your cousin that was in it? Yeah, I'd reached out to several other people within the network as well. Um, some of whom I ended up acquiring their location years later um, and was able to get a lot of information and details through that. Um, I have friends that live in other cities and the world is very, very small. We just happen to know a few fast sign donors in their local towns. I was able to reach out to some of them and get some feedback and uh, a little bit of insight of what that relationship looked like between franchisee and franchisor. And that's where I think fast signs has such a good model built up that in addition to, of course, any franchise is going to have room, but the way they have structured that is to where they're very motivated and enticed to help you continue to grow your sales. And it's a mutually beneficial relationship. And I think that in speaking to other, other franchisees within our industry and outside of our industry, it doesn't seem to be that type of relationship between a lot of franchisors and franchisees. So that ultimately kind of sealed the deal for me. That's great. And so John and Melanie, you were in the same situation where you knew someone that was in the business. What, what else was, and I think you did mention what that research timeframe looked like, but what, mm -hmm. what other work were you doing to just kind of validate that this was the right move for you? What would you say? Well, I was going to say we did, um, we did validation calls with other franchise owners in other areas, franchisees in other areas and um, within my salon suite. And then I think after the meet the team day, um, that my salon suite does, I think that kind of sealed it. Yeah. And obviously, us. yeah, exactly. And I think wrapping our minds around asking questions to our friends and partners and other franchisees around like, how does this model actually work? Because it's not, you know, ours is a real estate model. Our clients, our customers are tenants at the end of the day. So once we're built out and we're hundred percent occupancy, our revenue and profitability is fairly stable. So we just wanted to understand like, what is all the work required to get to that point and um, how achievable that is that given that we were moving, I still have a day job too. So that's one of the things that was attractive to us about the My Salon Suite concept was the semi-absentee idea. We don't, we don't have any employees other than a couple of administrators and, you know, part-time accounting support. Um, so we loved that. We were like, Hey, we're not really interested in having the headaches of personnel and hiring and retaining. Um, and then just how would that, how would that fit for our lives and our life rhythm? And thankfully we got to see that in action. Our partners have a family and they made it work. And so the dynamic pace and rhythm and the, the choices and the way we use our time was attractive to us. Yeah. And then we just said, we got to do it. <laughs> we put our house on the market. We bought into the franchise and we moved to Charlotte. So when you talk about being absentee-ish um, between the two of you, how many hours do you think you're putting into the business? And what did that, how has that changed? Because I know you're developing other locations. So has that time commitment changed at all? And kind of between the two of you, yeah. what are you putting in? Well, I would say absentee is very loose yeah. as you're building. We're 
I mean, yeah, how many that's hours? That's a naughty word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not absentee. We're yeah. very hands-on, especially right um, now as we're building. I mean, I think, I think from the time that LOIs go out in construction through pre-leasing and opening, I mean, we're easily putting in 30 hours each a week, you think? Yeah, I would have said maybe 20, like during that six month period of where we're doing the upfit work in the space, Melanie runs the lead management and marketing and, uh, and then the member management ongoing. Once we're open, there's like a two month period where folks are moving in, Mm -hmm. getting settled, lots of questions. But then once we're up and running, which we are at our our two open locations right now, you know, we might be doing five hours a week Mm -hmm. each. Yeah. If that, so then you can shift that hours to the new location. Yeah. Okay. There's a very like purposeful and intensive one year period to select your site, negotiate and get open and full. Okay, good. So Chuck, you don't have a physical space. Is that correct? We actually do. So you we do. have okay. a, um, uh, under the nerds to go model, uh, you know, the focus is to be very efficient on space. Um, I think the old nerds to go prior to the acquisition by um, propelled brands was very much a, a retail um, or home-based uh, or you know in, in home services business for computer repair and iPhones and things like that. We have a, a 700 square foot space in a retail um, uh, a shopping you know mall with a, uh, a haircut then a subway, you know, next door, a haircut shop and a, and a subway next door. So um, it, we do have in-store um, services as for customers to come in and drop off. Um, we do have vans that we roll out to customers or small businesses homes um, or customers homes or small business locations. But the real focus that's sh- switched with, uh, with propelled brands is to focus on the B2B side. And that's really what interested me in the business the most. I mentioned earlier, there was a gap kind of in my resume here. Well, for the last um, uh, almost nine years, uh, I owned, uh, I founded and and own a company called True North. And we provide services to businesses in, you know, 41 states and 250 companies. We have, you know, 45 employees that do that every day. And every one of them said to me, will you provide us these services and they were all of what nerds to go does. And I said, yeah, I can. And all that stuff. We're just not, it's not in our lane. Well, nerds to go gave us the opportunity to, to get in that lane. If not with our existing customers, certainly with um, uh, a bunch of like-minded customers that I know fill that gap in the market. So yeah. we're really excited with both a retail footprint and in-home services model. And then most excited about the B2B side. Yeah. So, so Chuck, what is, what is your, you're the newest franchisee of this brand that's on the call. What is your time spent on and how many hours do you think you're putting in the business as you kind of ramp it up? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm a bit blessed. I have a partner in the business um, that my partner uh, uh, worked for me for the last two years in, in my core business. And, um, and um, so he is working that business full-time. We've hired three full-time employees and I'm spending about 50% of my time in the business, primarily on, on uh, business development on the B2B side. But, you know, my time, you know, for all of us, let's look at Matt and me combined, you know, we're spending 50 hours a week in the business. I, 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 I started off my first franchise was a home care franchise. It was seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 
And, you know, I was on the clock at least 70 hours a week in startup mode. That's not the case here. Um, you know, the store's open, you know, uh, five days a week, normal business hours. And then you'll get, you know, a few phone calls from a marketing standpoint on the weekends that we always take. But it feels like a day-to-day -day business. And even in the startup phase, I expected to spend a lot more time on marketing and thinking through the after hours stuff that, that our business owner works on. And I've just been thrilled with the marketing support that nerds to go and Propel Brands has given us in that first kind of 90 day window of opening. That's awesome. Yeah, so I wanted to try and convey that it's always, it's always hard work, but that's a good point of reference of how much time you're putting into it. So Naveed, how about you? I know that you were in the business somewhere else, but as you grew it, how, how much time were you putting into it? And what was your time being spent as you kind of opened the doors to your first location? Yeah, the first location uh, was fairly short-termed. Uh, I bought into that location with the intention of acquiring a, a larger location. Um, and once I moved to the second one, currently I'm on the fourth location now. Uh, but once I moved to that second one, I had a very tenured staff. Uh, most of the work there was pulling them into all the new technology that Fast Science had rolled out from our point of sale system, uh, migrating over to G Suite and a few other smaller uh, software changes that they had made. And so it wasn't terribly intense with that second location either. It's when I went to the third one which was, had been open for about a year and a half, but it was practically a new location. That's when the hours started to creep up quite a bit. Um, and it definitely is a situation of, uh, you know, myself and my core leadership team, we're all a little crazy and we're very, important. and we probably could work, uh, you know, 40 hours a week, but we want to get to the top of Everest tomorrow versus, you know, two, three years down the line. So um, we're probably not a good example of how many hours uh, you put in, in in the industry because ours exceeds some astronomical numbers uh, from a weekly basis. But um, it's just what we have decided that is going to take place over the next you know four to five years to try to get the Garland location and now the Mesquite one, which I recently acquired a few months ago, and try to really just ramp everything up at an insane rate. So uh, we're very, very long hours there, but we may not necessarily have to, we choose to. Yeah, good. Okay. So John and Melanie, I'm going to go back to you. So I have, a, it's a two-part question you'll each get. What do you think are the best skill sets that you brought in as a franchise owner that from your past lives that have helped you be great franchise owners in the business? That's part one. And then part two is what's the best thing the brand is doing to support you? In being a franchise owner, you have to pick one thing, which could be hard. Oh to no! Write. Yeah, just one thing. Well, maybe you could each pick one thing, and then you'd get yeah. two things. Well, the first thing I'll say is I love Chuck's Nerds to Go advertisements in the background. Good job, nice product placement, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. <laughs> um, I'll start with. I, I think we brought really acute real estate skills, which is a big part of our model. Uh, we have like two main levers to be successful financially. One is finding a, a good location that's like 
lower rent than the competition and the other is our price point, what we can charge. So um, we've been really judicious in evaluating and pressure testing those locations. So I'll limit it to one. <laughs> what would you say? No, I, yeah, I think that's. How about how about the one about hospitality? You get to add an additional. <laughs> well, like we we were running an Airbnb yeah, we were... in in uh, in Washington D.C., and that was a big part of our draw to mm -hmm. hospitality and being able to like onboard hairstylists and estheticians. I worked into... as a nurse recruiter for a while too, so I think that. Yeah. that helped that's in, right um, helping yeah. people launch transition. Trajectory. yeah right. okay that's good so how about from the franchisor side what do you think is yeah. the best part of the support that they give you as a franchise owner what's the most attractive part of how they support you in your business I mean one of the things that I've really enjoyed is the way that they help franchise owners connect with other franchise owners um, that has been huge. So when, you know, an issue or a question that seems very, uh, you know, random comes up, we can reach out to a network of folks to say like, Hey, if you have this happen in your market, if so, what did you do? Or how did I solve, you know, how did you solve it? And um, yeah, that's been amazing and very valuable. And everyone is super nice and like willing to hop on a call and help talk mm -hmm. you through something or um I totally I agree it sounds like a, a little bit of a pat on the back right the franchise picks great franchisees <laughs> which we find is really true and like probably the most important factor in the success of all of us um I would add that um in our two and a half years in in the my salon suite um brand I've been really impressed with how the, the corporate leadership has fine-tuned the operating model and the, the roles that support us. Um, in particular, there's a role, a, a person is dedicated to new store openings. So like all they do is help us through that process to once mm -hmm. we've selected, get open and be successful. There's another person that's a part of that, which is their, their regional uh, operations managers. And so I've been impressed that I don't think, you know, it's not a static thing. They've been really willing to pivot and learn and adjust and grow. And, and in order to accelerate the growth trajectory of us as franchisees. So mm -hmm. I think that's a really uh, valuable part of this brand. Yeah, that's a great point because franchisors are scaling as you're scaling. And so yeah. what you need and what they need to do for you should be changing as you grow. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Okay, those were good two answers. So Naveed, I'm going to go, I'm circling back the other way now. So what do you think is the best skill set that you brought to being a, a fast signs owner? And what do you think is the most valuable piece you get from the corporate team or just the, that from the brand that helps you in your business? Uh, I think on their standpoint, um, I came in with a very aggressive mentality of, you know, check the doors and windows and if everything's locked, bust through the wall. And, and um, that's kind of, my whole team's mentality and we're very aggressive in that standpoint from acquiring new customers and um, not pigeonholing ourselves to just our market. Some of our biggest accounts aren't in Dallas, they're in Florida and California and all over the place. So um, that I, I would say is probably one of the stronger things that we bring in. And then similar to what John was saying, uh, the customer support, or excuse me, the corporate support from 
individual levels. You know, when we opened our first locations, we had the same thing where we had somebody that was specifically dedicated to helping new centers open and, and trying to gently drop them into the deep end of the ocean versus um, just kind of having to figure it out. Uh, and then in addition to that, we have a business consultant that is dedicated to specific locations that we probably annoy constantly with questions <laughs> and tweaking things and making sure our pricing is up to date. Um, and then also on the, one of the more important things for me has been on the uh, technical side of things for equipment. Um, and it's something I actually just talked about the other day in one of my production meetings that anybody can be really, really good at running equipment when everything is running under perfect scenarios. It's when the everything breaks down or you start to run into issues where you can put yourself in a very, very bad situation, especially in our industry where dead, everything is due yesterday. And so there has been several times where I've had to reach out to corporate to bail us out through troubleshooting through fixing a piece of equipment or they'll remote in and kind of help walk us through some areas. We've had some people actually come into our center to try to help us repair something in, in the midst of a very, very large project. So um, it definitely helps. And we have a home court advantage that the corporate office is local to us, which was a huge decision factor for me as well. Um, but I've seen that same type of support go all over the country. Yeah, I like that. Okay, Chuck, you get to wrap us up on this question with what's the best skill set for being a franchisee that you brought? And then from corporate, what are you receiving that's the most helpful or supportive? Yeah, and I, I, I love Naveed's comment about, um, you know, he's never met a wall that he didn't feel was his obligation to bust down. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that goes for you know, all of us that, you know, the key to success is we got to go sell something and stop those barriers. I think for me, or stop those barriers or, or keep those barriers from stopping us, excuse me. Um, I think for me personally, bring to the table, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for the past, uh, you know, almost 15 years. I built a business that has been um, uh, very successful for the past uh, several years and has grown dramatically every year. And, and so, you know, I also feel that obligation, um, like Naveed, to, to break those walls down and be aggressive and make good business decisions as I go, you know, but at the same time, I learned, you know, in starting another business that um, we all think we're good at sales and marketing because um, uh, that's easy, right? And, and I think that's what the franchisor um, does best for us. What it did for me is it reminded me to trust the process. Um, there's, you know, there's a system, there's a reason why you do things a certain way. And, and I thought that, um, you know, nerds to go propelled brands brought a great marketing plan that was well executed and, um, and a branding strategy that helped me be able to articulate what it is we actually do in an elevator speech. And I can share that, you know, while I think what I brought to the table on my own business side was very good, and I spent the first couple of years figuring out what it is we sell and how to brand it and, and how to market it. And, and, you know, here I am, you know, eight weeks, you know, seven weeks into the opening cycle, and I, and I think I know actually what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I think that, you know, the franchisor has an obligation 
to equip us with those skills. And that's what all the focus was for us, you know, since we went to training in August in, in Dallas. Love it. So John and Melanie, they brought up the franchisee community was their one of their top strengths. What about for you guys? And I'll go back to Naveed first. How connected do you feel to the other franchise owners or how important are they to the success or the, the, the not even the growth of your business, but just on the support side? Are, they, are you relying heavily on them or do you feel like you get a lot of value out of being part of that community? Oh yeah, extremely. Um, we're in board groups with member with fast signs owners from all across the country. Um, I took, I was very young when I first got into this industry and I took full advantage of that and asking people for advice and help and mentorship. Um, and one of, one of the actual franchisees who happened to be in my board group is also has a CPA company as well. He does all my financials and the books. So it's almost like having a, a COO in our, uh, excuse me, a CFO in our company that can help us with areas that I'm weak in, which is definitely the financials uh, and help us make decisions on when is the right time to upgrade this piece of equipment or to bring this product in house and lower your cost of goods, et cetera. Um, and then in addition to that, just to, to call and say, Hey, I'm thinking of trying this. Have you tried this before? What are the pros and cons? And, um, having that franchise model and the ability to reach out to other owners who have maybe either done that before or could give you different ways to look at something before shooting yourself in the foot has been priceless for us. Yeah, love it. Chuck, how about for you? How's the franchisee community? You're eight weeks in. Yeah, you know, so there's <laughs> a small group of us right now, um, but uh uh, you know, with, you know, 35 um, locations, owners out there. So far, it's been fantastic. I know I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, it was an hour decision to whether or not I wanted to do this, but I still went through the validation process with um, the franchisees and, and, you know, to echo your opening comments, they were all very, very high um, on the brand, very excited about it. And, and like me, excited about Propel Brands focused on the B2B side. And, um, you know, what's great is even for a brand new um, uh, franchise um, or, or an early stage franchise system, we're getting to hang out with all the fast science folks and, um, and learn about how they're uh, running their business. And in fact, we're having a joint conference in uh, the first quarter with the Fast Signs group on one side of the wall and the Nerds to Go group on the other. And I expect that community to continue to build there. That's very exciting. Yeah. That's great, good. So John and Melanie, I wanna go back to you just, just to kind of set this is that you, you're all multi-unit franchisees and Chuck, you had past brands or other businesses, but John and Melanie, did you sign on knowing that you were going to do multi-unit or how did you, how do you come to that decision that it's time to add more locations? We did sign on to do a three pack. And last year we uh, increased that to five. And I think we're, we're, we're hopeful and expectant to do more than that in Charlotte, just because it's a large growing market. Um, I think one of the factors that drove us to do at least three was, hey, if we're going to learn this business and really invest in um, kind of coming up the learning curve for the first location, we want to we want to maximize our our the financial benefit of doing that. And um, 
and that we felt that that would minimize the risk for the second and third locations as well. So, um, and I think when we talked to our, our partners and we, we talked to other franchisees, it seemed like, you know, like there wasn't a good reason not to do uh, multiple locations, at least for our particular model. So, and, um, and we also looked at like our personal, uh, you know, strategy for our life and um, mm-hmm. having three locations uh, with partners that were slightly larger uh, would accelerate some financial freedom for us. I think I mentioned this, I still have a day job. I work at Bank of America and like I take a lot of the product management agile disciplines and try to apply them as we're building this business on the side. Um, and yeah, is there anything else that you'd add? No, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think I agree. I think that there's, it's such a learning curve on the first that it feels more, um, you know, plug and play on future after that. You set up so many systems that I just want to keep going. Yeah, that's and that's why you have four children. You're like, yeah, well, exactly. yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're gluttons exactly. for punishment. Yes, <laughs> but we, so, we're trying to have this growth mindset, right? And this is our, <laughs> you're like one store for each child. <laughs> yes. Well, we, we're now thinking two stores for each child. So. <laughs> okay. There you go. There you go. Um, so but also, I just add that. Oh, like, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. We, we've gotten the bug for like this is our first foray into entrepreneurship. And like, I went to business school, but afterwards I was like, I want to be a consultant working for giant corporations. That was great training and it was valuable, but this is so much more fun. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the decisions that we get to make, and yes, we take on a lot of the risk too, and that's intense, but um, that's part of the value the franchise brings, right? Is to, to apply the proven playbook and minimize the risk so that we can maximize the value. So, yeah. I like it. It's a good little sound bite. So Chuck, how about you? Um, yeah, I mean, we, intentionally. We, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's our goal to build out multiple units within the market. But what was really interesting to me is that, uh, you know, nerds to go really didn't even have that conversation with us about multiple, multiple units. The, the, the idea of the model is that you don't need storefronts to grow revenue. Our, our revenue growth is really to add another van and add another tech. So we don't need a, a, uh, you know, a square footage to be able to do that. And, and in fact, what, you know, what nerds to go corporate said is we really, really want you to add more vans before you think about spending more money on a franchise agreement for another territory, because that's a better use of capital, you know, in the short term. Now that opportunity is going to come up to do that. But the way I see it is that if there were three other owners that came in and bought territories in our market today, I would be jumping for joy uh, because there is power in numbers and, you know, the, the brand awareness is going to float all ships you know, uh, um, to a higher level here. So um, yeah, we're, go- we're gonna do the multiple units, but there's a really op- good opportunity to, to build this business with that single unit right now. Yeah. And Naveed, how about you? When, when you took the leap, were you thinking right away that you were gonna do multiple locations or what, what triggered you to look at the second location that you purchased? No, I, I didn't really think that that was gonna be in the cards or it wasn't something I had thought about prior to that. Um, once I acquired this Garland location in 2018, um, about a year ago, this other location sort of fell in my lap, the opportunity for it. And it was kind of a long drawn back and forth where I kind of thought it was dead every times and the stars aligned. And so I jumped on it. Um, 
I think in our industry, multi-centers is very, very difficult just because of the uh, deadlines and how quickly you can just start drowning, not extremely organized and have a really good system and process set up. So um, this will be the first time I've had two simultaneous locations. Um, and if I, if I said I wanted an additional one to that, Mark Jameson would probably jump through the screen and strangle me. So uh, <laughs> we'll probably stop here for the time being. Okay, good. So I, I, have, um, I have a question around, what do you think is the biggest challenge of being a franchisee, either in running your business or just being an owner in general? So Chuck, I'm going to go back to you to start with that. Yeah, I think that's a, a really easy question, is, is having the discipline to follow the model. Um, you know, I, I, I spent several years on the franchisor side preaching to franchisees, follow, just trust the model, trust the model, follow it, because we were always herding cats because everybody always had a better idea. As an entrepreneur out of franchising for the past, um, you know, nine years, 10 years, um, I, I, I got to do things however I wanted to do them. And now the, the challenge and the opportunity was to take all that that I had learned, that's the good stuff, and then use that following an established model that propelled brands was rolling out. And, and I'm thrilled that I kind of stuck to, you know, going out and, and doing whatever Mark and Catherine and the rest of the group said we needed to be doing and without varying from that at all. So that was, you know, that was the good part and the hard part, you know, for me to stick to that. And I'm glad I did. Yeah. I think that's the hardest part from a franchisor yeah. to educate. Trust the model. <laughs> trust the model. It's hard. It's hard. Um, so Naveed, how about you? What's the hardest part of your day to day or to, to grow your business? Uh, to grow the business. It's the market's a little difficult right now when it comes to employees and and scanning and getting those people on board. Um, we have our core leadership team that's great, but the additional employees on top of that have been a little bit of a challenge. Um, so that is, that's definitely a barrier to growth. Um, the most difficult part, I think, outside of that has just been trying to um, let our team members kind of grow within their particular role, which I think we do quite better than most other locations do, but it still is a daily struggle to, especially when you're onboarding new people, if, if there's people that are existing in those areas and locations and you're confident in their abilities and what they're doing, it's not really an issue. But when it comes to onboarding new people, it's very, very difficult to not jump in and rescue people constantly, and uh, which ultimately is not going to allow them to grow. So um, I think that's probably my biggest challenge. Yeah. Well, and as a leader, you're like, it would just be faster if I do it, but right. <laughs> you can't, you can't do other stuff if you don't teach them. So yeah, I get that. And I, and you did, you, you pulled up the number one business challenge that we hear, which is employees. So I'm going to come back to that. If you want to just think about if you have any ways that you've been able to hire and retain people, that is the number one challenge that we hear from owners, which doesn't make you feel better, but it is what most people are struggling with. So while you think about that, John and Melanie, and maybe Melanie will have some tips since she was also in recruiting, what's the biggest challenge in your business, in your day-to-day, -day, or just in, in general of being a franchise owner? 
Well, I would say that we don't have any experience being entrepreneurs outside of franchising yet. So um, there's nothing to compare it to other than sort of a traditional, you know, corporate life. But I will say, hey, Chuck, I agree with what you said, because I at times we find ourselves being those cats that need to be herded. And <laughs> we're like, I have this idea and it's not it doesn't align with the brand standards. And so I might propose the opposite or the how would I characterize this? Yeah, the, the, the counter side, which is like, how much freedom and autonomy do you have as an entrepreneur, given that we have a, a, a like, we have a long-term partnership with the franchisor and there is a rhythm and, to the relationship that we had to get used to and are still, you know, like any uh, relationship, it evolves and grows and adapts to what's needed. And so I would say, you know, we're really happy with the brand. We love the success and we want to do more. There are moments where we have to, uh, we have to work through things to make sure that we're not, we're not outside the bounds of the franchise guidelines. And also to make sure that franchisor is listening to us and other franchisees effectively. Um, especially if it comes to like, you know, design principles or what's best for our members, what's best for what we think and what they think is best for uh, revenue growth and profitability. Yeah. Those are good. So how about the, the challenge of employees? Do you guys, one, I love that you talked about my salon suite didn't have a high employee need. So that's great. As you wonder if we're going to have another pandemic or whatever happens, not being heavily reliant on employees is excellent, but, and I'll throw this out to any of you guys, any ideas on, on how you find employees to help you staff or how you keep them, how you grow them on your team, Naveed, so that they don't look for other places. Oh, Naveed, you're on mute, but I bet you have something very wonderful to share. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, once we actually get people through the door past the first you know, few weeks and they buy into the system and our process, then it becomes much easier to, we, we've never really had an issue with retaining people once we get them in the door and on board. It's just been the last year and a half or so in finding, um, finding new employees. And so we've definitely taken some gambles on um, some people that we normally may not have, and it's happened to just work out very well for us. Uh, Culture Index, whenever we are interviewing people to get to know more about how they operate and what would help set them up for success versus what wouldn't. It's not necessarily a test that we do and say, yeah, this person doesn't fit what we're looking for. So they're out. It definitely weighs into it somewhat, but it's more to see how they can, how they'll gel with other people and what would help motivate them versus what wouldn't. Uh, so that's been pretty good for us and helped us shape certain roles or tweak things to make sure that um, we're not only happy with their performance, but they're also happy within their uh, role within the company. So I don't have any tips on the recruiting process, but um, once we actually get people in and get them through that interview process, that system has worked out pretty well for us. Awesome. Any ideas from, from the rest of you guys on, on how you can find uh, people to help yeah, I, I think we got to be a better employer. Uh, you know, uh, what we've learned or what I've learned and our first couple of hires with Nerds to Go even is um, as part of a franchise system, there's a ton of support to help with inexperience, both for myself and for my team. 
And we always go for, you know, smart Trump's experience. So we look for very, very bright people um, that are bright first and very sociable and, and, and um, reflect the culture of what we want in our business. And if they don't have the experience, we'll figure out a way to get that to them pretty quickly. I would rather invest in experience than invest in turnover. And, and, and then um, the other thing too, I think especially in today's culture, uh, middle of pandemic, the great uh, migration of employees you know, from company to company or exiting the workforce completely, we have to be very conscious of the social norms that are going on and be a great employer. You know, we have to understand what's going on in people's lives. Um, you know, in my, you know, core business, you know, that we've had for the last several years, we went all Silicon Valley and went an unlimited PTO policy and got rid of time clocks and hourly, everybody's salaried, everybody knows what they have to do and they just come to work and do it. And we treat them like an adult. I think in our brands going forward and nerds to go and the way to hire great people is to find talented people, get them the experience they need and treat them like adults. And, and it's amazing what they'll be able to do for us. I think it's really, really hard to hire right now. But I think if we follow, if I follow kind of what I've set my mind around, we're gonna have employees that are way better than what our competition does because they're all miserable. I've talked to them. Yeah. And so, I, I would just, yeah, I was gonna say, John or Melanie, anything else to add to that? Yeah, it's a little different for our model, but we recognize that as we want to like expand three, four, five locations, the only, the, the only way to scale is for us to start building a team and possibly hire a general manager one day. And so I think a lot of it depends on what the role and the responsibilities of the role are needed, right? Like I, I hear you, Chuck and Naveed, like I imagine it's really tough to hire mm -hmm. folks and to retain them especially, right? Um, so we, we just look for people with high integrity um, and try to have reasonable expectations knowing that like turnover happens um, there are things out of our control as an employer, but, um, and, you know, but we can always, we can train people with the right skills, but if, if they have integrity and uh, a mindset to kind of sink their teeth into our business model, we think we can work with that. And right. As opposed to, um, I don't know, just a warm, a warm body in, in the role for the time being. If that yeah. makes sense. Good. I like it. So I have one parting question to ask you all. For anybody that is watching this or anyone that's thinking about buying a franchise and they're still on the fence, what advice would you give to them uh, in, in their search or in their decision-making? So um, Chuck, I'll go back to you and start with you. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, be bold, um, uh, be aggressive to follow Naveed's point and make sure you're committed to the model that the franchisor is selling you as part of that franchise agreement. And if you, if you don't believe in that model, you're not committed to it, then look somewhere else. Um, and then once you've done it, don't look back because it's all on your shoulders then. Awesome. Naveed, how about some parting advice for a person that's on the fence thinking about buying a franchise? Yeah, I think Chuck made a really, really good point in regards to uh, if you are going to buy into that franchise model and the system and processes that they've set up, then it's fantastic. But if you are on the fence of that or are thinking of kind of reinventing the wheel, then it's probably not going to be beneficial for either party. So 
um, the buy-in on our end to kind of blindly trust our uh, franchisor structure and setup has been really, really crucial in addition to all the other things we mentioned prior, the support that you get from a corporate office, from technology to sales and training and new center and you know, the foundations university where you actually go to corporate for a few weeks to really, really get to learn uh, what's out there. And then having the benefit of reaching out to other franchisees across the country for advice or help or um, things along those lines. So I can't, I definitely would not be in this business nearly as long as I have been so far without continuing in the franchise model versus going rogue. I love it. Great. And John and Melanie, you're going to bring us home some advice for candidates that are on yeah, the I think, I think exactly what Naveed and Chuck said, like um, going, following the playbook, buying in completely, and then just really going for it and taking advantage of conversations within, you know, corporate and other owners. Yeah. Tapping that network is huge. And yeah. I think I would add that like, do take a, take stock of what you're good at and also really mm -hmm. pursue like during the discovery process, things that are life-giving to you, like find a franchise, find a brand, find a concept that you're excited about mm -hmm. without that, it's going to be hard to really invest your life and be successful. But with that, like we, you know, there are a lot of things, like it's, it just makes it a lot more fulfilling um, when it adds so much richness to your life. Yeah, I love it. And I was going to say, it's been, you know, I've been in the franchise industry for 16 years. And so to see how it's really evolved and how it really is more of a collaborative um, relationship and, and it's mm -hmm. more fostered to make those connections, to have you asking questions of corporate and other franchisees and, and that whole community aspect of it has just really elevated uh, this segment of franchising. Um, so it's great. I think you guys have pulled out all the important points as far as questions to be asking existing owners and of the team to assess if it's the right fit for you. Um, and it sounds like you're all really very hardworking and, uh, and, and the, the best of the bunch. So we appreciate you sharing your experience with others. And uh, just thanks for taking the time to talk about how you found your brands and what you guys are doing today. We really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Thank you.